0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: This is a milestone, everybody. This is Episode 10. We have made it to Episode 10, and we are so proud and so happy to be here. We are recording live tonight via Blog Talk Radio, and we want to thank them for the partnership with Fansided. We are from Redbird Rats, Fansided sports blog, where you can find all things St. Louis Cardinals. I am Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rants, and I'm joined tonight by my co-editor, Tito Rivera, and we're also joined tonight by Trevor Hoos. Hi, fellas. How are you?
0: Feeling a little inferior since I'm not an editor, but I'm fine. (laughs) I'm doing all right. Don't
2: feel inferior. We're all part of the same team.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and speaking of that, Trevor, please don't feel inferior. You are one of our best writers, and and, and we say that to all of them. Um, But you guys have really elevated everything this month at Redbird Rants. We are about 5,000 views away from breaking breaking the 300,000-view barrier. And I can tell you in my almost two years tenure with Redbird Rants, we have not yet ever broken through that 300,000-view line. And we are about to do it this month. So really hats off to all of the writers and you, especially Trevor, you've got some really <laughs> awesome pieces.
0: Speaking of Thank that, Trevor, you. why don't
1: you give our listeners give our listeners a, a, a quick, just sort of, fact shot of some of your articles that are sitting out there right now?
0: Uh, well, the most recent one that I've written is about uh, Daniel Ponce De Leon, who was having a great season through Triple A, but unfortunately uh, suffered an injury after taking a line drive off his head. So he's uh, working back from that, and it's kind of just the latest updates on that. Um, the other pretty popular piece is one I actually did with one of our other writers, Larry, and we went through and we debated uh, the value of Colton Long and, and, and pretty much everything about him. So there's a couple great pieces right there. And,
1: and they really are really wonderful pieces. I'm really glad that you put up an update on Ponce de Leon. I had written a couple about him back when everything happened and tried to keep their readers up to date through the, the weeks right after that horrific accident. Um, so it's good to see that the the man is, is progressing and coming back, because if you will remember, there was a threat that he may not even be able to walk again.
0: Yeah, everything that I uh, was finding in research said he's progressing very quickly, and they're they're pretty happy with how he's coming. And, you know, a few months down the road, they'll start talking baseball activities again, hopefully. Yeah, great
1: update. Hey, Tito, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give you a couple seconds to plug some of the things you've got sitting out on Redbird Ranch. So give our
2: our listeners a, a little preview for what you've got out there. Sure. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, kind of on the rumor mill lately. Uh, my recent my most recent piece was about Matt Carpenter and a matchup with the New York Yankees, and I. I'm not going to lie, I've been catching some pretty big uh, heat for it. And I kind of went in knowing, knowing that that was going to happen. Um, but I've seen a lot of people call me crazy, a lot of people laughing at me. And the only thing I would have to say to those people is, is if you're not realistic about your, your roster, uh, then then you truly do not know the game of baseball. So thank you. Shout out to all my haters. <laughs>
1: And, and we know that there's a special shout-out there to uh, Josh McDonald, one of our writers, who's probably <laughs> the um, the president of the Tito Hate Club,
2: right? Yeah, that's okay, though.
1: <laughs> of course, in a very loving way. So, yeah, so guys, we've sure. got a <laughs> great, great agenda today today. Um, I want to let our listeners know that um, every third Wednesday I host uh, another podcast over on UCB Radio, also through Blog Talk, and uh, Tito helped me yesterday as we had a tape a, a, a makeup from one that was missed, and we actually talked about our first topic, and uh, that show is only 30 minutes, and so just wanted to give a fair warning to our listeners that Tito and I, and now that we've added Trevor, we could probably talk this first topic for the entire one hour. But... Let's dive into that one, and let's just see how far we go. First up on our agenda is the recent roster moves. Fowler, Dexter Fowler, and Kevin Segrist heading to the disabled list. Uh, Randall Gritchick being recalled out of AAA Memphis and actually making a name for himself coming up in the first two games. Luke Voigt actually debuting last night in a pinch hit and and actually starting in today's game. And then I want to say something, and we'll get to it, but I'd really love to just hear, Trevor, let's start with you. Give, give me your thoughts on those things, the Fowler and Seagulls to DL, Gritchett coming up, and Luke Boyd. Let's, let's hear what you have to say.
0: Well, if you look back to Fowler's last season, I'm going to start with him. He missed a lot of the year due uh, to a bunch of DL since. I think he only played 120 games. Um, so this is something that it doesn't surprise me at all. But the good news for me is that he was actually quoted – as saying after the game that um, if, or they put him on DL after the game and he was quoted as saying I don't have a leg to, to stand on. Um, he said that to somebody and I th- think that's a good sign. You could take it either way. You could say he's in a lot of pain. I take it to mean he's joking around which means it won't be that long of a DL stint which is good because he was one of the hottest hitters um, going going into this even though he was 0-2 in his last two games before getting hurt but you attribute that to kind of a building injury I would think. Um, Segrist is a little bit of a different story with with his injury, um, it's in his spine, and he's had some nerve damage and some nerve problems in the past. So this is just going to be something that he's going to have to pitch with. Um, going into the injury, he had a, a 4-2-8 ERA through 27 in the third inning. So I think it's something that's been bugging him for a while, and um, you, you kind of worry about that, especially as a lefty pitcher. So as far as those go, um, the injuries, Fowler's good. Seager's uh, is not as good, I wouldn't think. And Gritchick, I don't know about him, man. I I he came back. He's been hitting the ball well. I don't know how much of that is adrenaline and vengeance and how much of that is a fixed swing cuz he was having a lot of struggles going in. I actually went and uh, looked up one of your articles, Dr. Miles, back from when he got sent down and I mean, he was 50 strikeouts in 46 games. So I don't know how much has changed with him. I time's going to tell. He's going to have to earn that back for me at least and um for void, I just like him as a prospect. He's a big guy. He was killing the ball in the minors with a three twenty-two batting average and twelve home runs. So, I'm excited to see him. Tito,
1: take it away and just talk about some of the stuff that we hit on yesterday.
0: Yeah.
2: So, uh, fortunately for me, I'm we're you and I are well versed in this topic right now, Doctor Miles. But you and I talked about a couple of different things, and one of the biggest things that we kind of took away was where is the Cardinal offense going to come from with Dexter Fowler on the disabled list? And that was a really big topic for us because he's been hitting the ball really, really well, especially since Matt Carpenter moved to the leadoff spot. Obviously, with Randall Gritchett coming back, you were going to hope that the offense would still be in a good spot and it has been, but it really kind of throws a, a wrench in in the Cardinals' plans. And so we we hit on that uh, pretty hard. The Segrist to the DL move, um, you know, we kind of we kind of tossed it up to you know almost a comparison with Alex Reyes' injury. I had no idea that Kevin Segrist was hurt I mean he pitched like he was hurt but to this extent of an injury it's almost like Alex a situation with Tommy John you didn't really know about it until all of a sudden he showed up with a torn UCL and all of a sudden hey I'm having Tommy John I'm out for the year and there goes a lot of the Cardinals' plans. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Seeger was a main cog or anything like that, but it's nice to have somebody that another left-hander in the bullpen. Uh, now, unfortunately, fortunately for the Cardinals, they have Tyler Lyons and Brett Cecil. But Kevin Seeger, also, you know, when right, was pretty dominant. So we we talked about that. We also hit on Gritchick being recalled, and as many of Uh, As many of you probably know at this point, I am not a fan of Randall Gritchick. I think he is overrated. It's nice to see him produce, but I'm going to go with Trevor on this. How much of it is actual adrenaline? Is it luck? Is it just playing a bad team? We don't know that. He's playing the Cincinnati Reds, who are in last place in the Central Division, so I'm not sure I'm willing to put I'm not sure I'm willing to put all my chips in that basket. Luke Boyd, I'm so excited for him. He got a double for you know his first hit as a major leaguer. I thought he was going to hit a home run today, and he actually almost did it. Had he got it in the air a little bit more. It would have been gone, but he said it himself. He's here to hit uh, bombs and doubles, so that's exactly what he did. You know, it's good to see him up. It'll be really interesting at some point if he continues to hit what the Cardinals will do, because you think of Matt Carpenter, you think of Colton Wong, and you think of Jed Jerko. Those three guys, besides Colton Wong really, but those three guys are main cogs in the infield, and if Luke Boyd stays and plays first, what are you going to do? I mean, that's that's going to be the crux of the, the, the problem for the Cardinals at some point is an overinflated infield with not a lot of spaces to go. So it, it'll be really interesting to see where the Cardinals go with this. But, I, you know, was it enough moves? Were we expecting these kinds of moves when, you know, the news broke that John Mazelak was going to have more player moves on the way? Probably not. But, you know, it, I guess it'll suffice for right now.
1: Yeah, and uh, Trevor, do you have any comment to what Tito brought up about what's going to happen with Luke Voigt if he continues to hit and how the Cardinals will handle that? Any, any of your gut reaction to that?
0: Um, I, if he's going to hit, they're going to find a spot for his bat. Um, if, if Gritchick, for whatever reason, just doesn't keep it up, which I don't think he will, maybe they try to transition him in the outfield Um, I think he played a little bit in the minors, if I'm not mistaken. If not, I mean, Matt Carpenter has been versatile uh, versatile in the infield before, so you can slide him to second to put Void at first. Um, You can move him to third if that's where the opening is. That's the good thing about the Cardinal infield right now, even with the overinflation, is you have uh, Jerko and Carpenter who have played multiple positions. Uh, I'm sure you can mess around with Diaz if you need to, and Wong. You know, he hasn't played much but second, but he hasn't – I mean, he has – shown durability issues this season getting healthy and then hurting something else right away so until he comes back and starts playing consistently that's another little bit of concern for me but I think that there will definitely be a spot there just because there's so many moving parts on the infield and that's going to be what's going to be key to getting the best bats in the lineup whoever can hit is going to play you know all this talk about Lou Boyd
2: you know if he hits makes my Matt Carpenter piece not sound so crazy right
0: I didn't think it was crazy when I first saw it. I mean, this is stuff we can get into later, but they, something's going to have to happen. And if Matt Carpenter fits somewhere, I can – I mean, I definitely see it. I read your piece. I thought it was great. If they fit, why not? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and Tito, you and I talked about the Carpenter piece even before you – I think you before you started writing it. And as I told you then, I, I think it's a phenomenal idea. It works. And I'll tell you, guys, what I heard today, you know, in the pregame, I was listening to the game on the radio, but I heard in the pregame an interview with Luke Voigt, and I heard that on on KMOX they were really describing Voigt as the right-handed Matt Adams. What's your your thought on that?
0: Well, let's hope it's Matt Adams in Atlanta. Um, Yeah. I mean, he struggled a little bit with us, and if he's the Matt Adams from Atlanta, then great. He, his, like I was saying earlier, his battle find the way into the lineup, but it's Matt Adams in St. Louis. Then we have another backup first baseman situation.
2: Not, but not only that.
0: Did you really expect Matt Adams to go
2: on that kind of a tear in Atlanta? Probably not. So for them to compare, you know, for them to say, "Well, you know, we hope it's Matt Adams." Yeah, great. But you're basing that off of results right now. I'm sure those same people or a lot of people out there are the same people that were saying, get out of here, Matt Adams, and now they want him back because he's hitting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it. I, I don't think that's a fair comparison. I think Luke White needs to just be himself and do what he can and, and and show that he can play the game and show that he can hit major league pitching. And if he can do that, no worries all those all those comparisons to Matt Adams are gonna go away and i I think he's actually probably a better player than matt adams i I did notice on his one at bag where he got his hit you know he uh he does kind of have an unorthodox swing he likes to uh kind of pull his hips a little bit and I'm sure that's to generate a lot of power um but that's something to look out for is if as time goes on, if Major League pitchers will exploit that and pitch him away, and it's almost like Randall Gritchick, and that's what I'm looking for in Randall Gritchik at this point is to see how he sets up at the plate. If he can keep his hips inside the ball, if he can keep his hands inside the ball and keep the barrel in the strike zone, in the hitting zone, he's going to be more successful than he has ever been. And that's the same thing with Lou Boyd.
1: Yeah, and in defense of what KMOX was saying, they mentioned that Boyd was a right-handed Adams, specifically in regard to the fact that he only plays first base. Uh, and they really weren't making the comment to his offense, albeit. Okay. There is some, some equal comparison to Adams' offense because Adams was a double or home run hitter. Well, let's, let's move ahead a little. I want to get into some meaty, meaty material. And there was a recent tweet from Derek Gould in which he quotes John Lozalek as saying the trend with the Cardinals is not positive. Let's start with you, Tito. What does that mean to
2: you? There are, there are a couple things that I take away from that kind of a tweet. And I hope one of the commenters on our Facebook post is listening at this point because what that means to me is something's about to happen. And that something could mean if this team doesn't get going in the next week, Mike Matheny, John Mabry, you might, you might, have, uh, you might be looking for employment somewhere else. That's how I see it. That's how it comes off as to me. Another thing is, is when you say it's not trending in the right direction, it also could mean, well, the team is not going to perform. We're not, we're, we're not meeting expectations, so we're just going to sell. Because, and John Moselak is very good at this. He plays a lot of word games, and he'll say something, but he completely means something else. Just because it says trend, not trending in a not a not positive way doesn't mean everybody's leaving or the coaching staff is leaving. However, that's how I'm taking it. I'm taking it, and I'm coming from the approach that if the team does not perform within the next week or so, I think Mike Matheny is 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 going to get the boot because you have to think this division is so is still winnable. I, I hate. The fact that a lot of people are like, oh, they're writing the Cardinals off. Oh, they're not going to win it. They can't come back from five games back. Are you kidding me? The Cubs aren't playing well. The Brewers are overperforming. Everybody else in the division stinks. The Cardinals have a legitimate shot. And that's exactly what John Losek is trying to prove, is that the Cardinals actually can do this. But if they're not, if they're not going to perform, and if management is not going to take this team to another level, then see ya. Goodbye. And that's the end of it. Hey, before we get to you, Trevor, let's
1: let's do a little something fun. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll get to hear Trevor's comments to the Derek Gould tweet where Moselec said, things are not trending in the right direction, that they're not going very positively. So stick with us. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 10 on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to episode 10 of the official Redbird Rants podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. We want to say thanks for sticking with us. Before the break, we got to hear from Tito Rivera, co-editor at Redbird Rants, as he gave his opinion on the Derek Gould tweet in which he quotes John Moselec, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, as saying that the current trend with the Cardinals is not a positive one. And in his words, I'll try to summarize them for you. Tito said that he believes that means things don't change in the next week or so, that Mike Matheny, John Mabry, maybe others, could be looking for new employment. I stopped and didn't let Trevor fill in. So I'd love to hear from you now, Trevor. What are your thoughts on that tweet?
0: Well, uh, when I when I read it, when I heard it, I didn't take it to look in the future at all. When I first read it, I took it at face value and to me it was just like being at work and your boss walks into your office, says, Hey, we're gonna go bankrupt and walks out. It really does nothing for you. Um, it doesn't give you any really information, it just means that things aren't going well. And so I would have loved, you know, to hear some follow up. So if things aren't going well and then this gets into kinda of what Tito's going, I I just want to know what the plan is. That's that's what it did to me. Is it left me wanting a plan? Do you, you know, try to sell off and get some prospects? Do you call up, do you call up, you know, Bader, Mags, Kelly, you know, whatever, and and make, get them some playing time if you give up on the vision? Or do you try to get guys who are gonna give you that push because you are only five games back, and uh, that that's your only really only chance of making the playoffs because the wild card is all but out of reach already, which is seems ridiculous but again only 5 games back maybe that's the move it just left me wanting to hear what the plan is for the future
2: i compl- i completely agree with you Trevor i mean again it is as vague of a statement as you could probably make <laughs> uh without giving too much away and maybe that was john mozella's intention the entire time when he was saying that but again I come to this – I'm stuck on this thing because, remember, it wasn't that long ago, about two weeks ago, where John Mozelak said, hey, we'll reevaluate the team in four to six weeks. Okay, it's been two weeks. Then he says this. This makes me think that he has already evaluated the team and knows what he wants to do, but he just can't come – to the fact that he needs to do something. I don't know why. I don't know what. But this is this is just go, this is driving me crazy. You're either a buyer or a seller at this point. You have to make a decision. And I said it in our last podcast episode. The Cardinals have to look themselves in the mirror, and this includes John Moselak. They have to look themselves in the mirror and decide what kind of team you are. If you're going to be a buyer, then then put up. If you're going to be a seller, then sell. Get rid of your dead weight then at that point. What are you waiting for?
0: You know what? Something you said makes a lot of sense, actually. Just the way you describe Mose, like how he's, he's always thinking ahead. This might all be part of the plan from the beginning. He might have made the roster moves and not even had to reevaluate. I think he probably already knew what he was going to do. He was just buying himself time to put all the pieces in place. So that this might be just a sign that his pieces are finally about where he wants them and something's gonna happen, but he is the kind of of guy I think who would just say four to six weeks just to give himself time because he already knows what he wants, he just needed to buy time with the fans. Yeah, and, and I, and I and I'm, to... Go ahead.
2: Go ahead, Tito. Okay. Well I would I you know The four- to six-week thing, we originally talked about it whenever that news came out. And the only thing that made sense to me, and I addressed it in in an article actually about those comments, the only thing that made sense to me was that if he was going to wait four to six weeks, he's waiting to see how the market plays. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to gauge the interest of the market first, which is smart. I mean, it's business but he's 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 looking at who's going to make a move to improve their club if nobody does it do I stay pat but if the teams above me go for it that means I have to decide whether I want to go for it and that's where that's why I think he said 4 to 6 weeks let me see where the team is and then I'll make my move yeah i'm i'm
1: glad i let you speak tito cuz that was exactly what i was going to say um you know i I
2: have
1: met with and, and, and talked with Mosaic before and not one-on-one. I, I would enjoy that, but that didn't happen. But the man, and I've actually written about him making Machiavelli-type moves. I The more I think about it, I'm right in line with you there, Tito. And really what you said too, Trevor, that I think he – I mean, if you look at the timeline, you had the coaching changes. And that was right at the same time that he said, yeah – I don't think any of our jobs are safe, mine included. And then he set out that four- to six-week timeline, and then he put all of these things in motion. And every one of them are are a calculated domino, and that is very much the M.O. of Mo. And so these call-ups, I mean, there's even down to him releasing that little snip of news on Sunday morning to say, We've got some big changes coming. We've got several moves coming, but I can't talk Mm -hmm. about them publicly because I haven't spoken to the players. Baloney, absolutely baloney. That was to garnish news, to get people to look at the Cardinals, and it worked. I mean, the man is an absolute PR genius, and you cannot believe a single word that comes out of his mouth. And I think he knows what he's doing. And – Honestly, the four to six weeks, Tito, I remember when we first talked about that, that you really laid out what that meant in terms of the opponents that the Cardinals were going to face. Because certainly, he can't make a decision off of the Reds series. He really couldn't make a decision off of the Pirates series. So he's got to get to one more tough series to see to say, look, I gave you great players, I gave you players on the rise, I gave you Mike Myers even who had the 0.89 ERA over the last five starts in Memphis, and you can't handle it. Now I have to make a decision, mm-hmm. and he has to do that before Bill Dewitt Jr. makes a decision.
2: And and you and and really the series that you're going to key on is this weekend against the nationals. That's, that's where, he, actually, let me, I'll, I'll, I, I'll save my thoughts on that. Cause I'll, we want, we're going to get to that a little later, but this, the series to focus on are the next two after the Cincinnati one. And, but I'll, I'll save my comments for later. Trevor, anything yes, you to you up to the next topic?
0: Oh, I was just gonna. I, we're gonna be talking about it later. I was gonna say, don't overlook the Arizona series starting tomorrow, though. Yeah, no, no, no.
2: That's exactly what I want. I have my comments for that, so I, I'm not. That's why I don't want to overlook anything. Right. <laughs> okay, so let's do that, guys.
1: Let's let's go ahead and jump. Let's let's look ahead to the last days of June. There's not many. They really encapsulate two series. And give us those thoughts. Let's start with you, Tito. What, what are those thoughts that you were holding back? What do you think it's going to take? Or you know, What decisions can be made from
2: these, and what should we look for? I think the Arizona Diamondbacks series is a clear measuring stick for the Cardinals as to what kind of team they want to be heading into July. I don't think – you know, it's crazy to think that the West NL West has three playoff teams right now, but that's the reality. That's what it is. And if the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, they've got to face one of those three teams. So they have to go into Arizona, and they have to know that they they have to know that they can win in Arizona. So this is a good opportunity for the Cardinals to really, really put. Some pressure on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and go in there. And typically, the Cardinals play well there, but and they need to go in there and pretty much say, okay, we're gonna be we're gonna be here, because I guarantee you, I'm I'm I projected the Dodgers to win the NL West, and I think it's gonna and the wild cards are gonna come down to the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Let's say the Diamondbacks win, you know, more than likely they'll face the Nationals in the playoffs but what if there's an opportunity what if the cardinals actually end up playing the diamondbacks they have to go in there and know how to win so it's a good measuring stick what i'm looking for is for the cardinals to play good baseball and carry their pitching staff because their pitching staff has not been that good otherwise i don't know how this national series is going to go it's in st louis but that's That's closer towards, you know, the beginning of July, but there could be some really telling signs at that point.
1: Trevor.
0: Well, I'm, I'm honestly not even worried about the national series. I'm all focused on this diamondback series and not even for playoff implications. I'm looking at it as right now the Cardinals are teetering on a point of buyers and sellers. And I'm, as front office may already know what the, what they think they are, but I think this is going to be a very telling series for that, and I think the Diamondbacks are uh, the perfect team to, to go up against because I've I looked heavily into this series, and you look at the pitching matchups, the Cardinals are going to be facing Tywan Walker, Zach Godley, and Patrick Corbin, so they're not going to see the ace. They're, um, they're not going to see Grinky, so they need to be able to, to hit these lower-level starters uh, and get into the bullpen, and the bullpen's actually where I think the lineup is going to show through the most because right now the best reliever in for the Diamondbacks is Archie Bradley, and he has a 1.04 ERA through uh, 28 games. So they're probably going to see him at some point, and how they are able to get to him, if they can get to him and other lineups can't, I think that shows you something. And I think that's good um, as long as they can get to him. And, of course, Fernando Rodney's there closing out games like a madman. And on the pitching side for the Cardinals, this is a very interesting lineup because they don't have a whole lot of power. They're three and four guys. Paul Goldschmidt and Jake Lamb are both uh, over 10 home runs. Goldie has 18 and Lamb has 17, but no one else has over 10. So they're not going to drive the ball out of the yard like crazy. And I actually got to see him play um, recently. What they do is they just get one hit and it strings together another one. So I think that's going to be a good test for the pitchers to see if they can stop all the momentum and leave runners on base uh, to make sure that, you know, the chain doesn't get started because it's hitting is contagious. That's the old cliche and it's true. And that's the basis of this Diamondback lineup. So I think on both sides of the ball, it's going to be very interesting and very telling to see where the Cardinals are going moving forward.
2: And I, I like that you bring up the Cardinals pitching though, because the Cardinals will have Martinez, Wainwright, and Lynn pitching.
0: And compared
2: to the other pitchers, I I really like the matchups for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at that, and I I was thinking the same thing. I think that the pitching matchups certainly favor the Cardinals. It's just, you know, if the offense decides to show up this series or if they get that back-against-the-wall feeling like like, uh, we were talking about last week. So it's going to be very interesting. Okay, so guys, make your prediction then
1: on the on the Arizona series. Give me wind losses, and then what you think happens after that? What impact that has on the Cardinals moving forward? Let's start with you,
0: Trevor um, uh, that's tough i think I'm definitely going to give Carlos Martinez the win over Taiwan Walker in game one. Um, I think that the Godly Wayneo matchup is gonna be hard because Godley's three and one with a two five three ERA. So I think I'm gonna to have to give that to Diamondbacks. I'm gonna go two one Cardinals, because uh, I think Lynn will be able to beat Corbin, who's not pitching well this year. So I say the Cardinals win the series and it just depends on if the offense shows up or not how it, how it is going forward. If it's a bunch of two to one games, then I don't think that shows you as much as you want it to, as if it's gonna be, you know, eight to one or something like that. So um I think either way, if they win the series, I think that then the National Series will become more important because then they looked at that one for selling as you get closer to um, July and trade deadline and all that stuff. So I really I I don't know what this series is gonna, you know. Afterward, I can probably make my predictions and I probably will, but right now it's it's hard to predict what's gonna happen.
2: Okay, Tito. I, I'm, I'll i have to agree with you on that one, Trevor. It is, it is pretty difficult to predict right now. I did see a stat earlier today where it said Wainwright's last, like, so many road starts. He had, like, a seven ERA. So I'm kind of nervous about that. He looked better his last start. So... I'm hoping that that same Adam Wainwright shows up in Arizona. I'm going to also say that the Cardinals will win two of the three. I think their offense is clicking right now at a high rate, and I, I'm excited to see what they can do in Arizona. And so, Like I said, they play well in Arizona. I think the biggest hindrance right now uh, outside of starting pitching is actually uh, their bullpen. Their bullpen has struggled mightily in late innings. I mean, uh, Trevor Rosenthal, uh, Juan Juano has not been great. You know, it, it's, it's starting to concern me a little bit, and maybe it's because of overuse, but, uh, you know, at this point in the season, you've got you to gotta throw your best pitchers out there. You've got to try and win some games. Yeah, the offense is, is also going to have to show up. You know, if Wainwright's going to give up, you know, three or four earned runs, you've got to be able to cover that. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. The Cardinals are a good road team as well. I mean, they've got one of the best records on the road this year, and it'll be really interesting. But I also would love to know how that's going to input. Impl- you know, what that does in the standings for the Central Division. You know, if the Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers lose out some of those games or at least two of those games, you're picking up two games and all of a sudden, you know, you're back to only being three back uh, of, uh, of the first, uh, first place in the Central Division. So that's, that's kind of where I am right now. I, I think the Cardinals are treading water a little bit, but they could be. I mean, who knows? by the end of this week, they could be as close as two games back or one game back.
1: Yeah, those are very interesting comments, you guys. And what I'd like to do is we're going to take another break. But when we come back, I'd really like to focus on that same series. But I want you to tell me what happens if the Cardinals only manage to win one game. So stick (laughs) with us. You're listening to the official Redbird Rant Podcast, episode number 10, here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 10, a big milestone for us. We do broadcast live on Blog Talk Radio. So thanks for joining in tonight if you're listening live. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, thank you for that as well. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rants, joined tonight by Trevor Huth, one of our contributors, and my co-editor, Tito Rivera. And before the break, I tossed out this idea. We were talking about the upcoming Arizona series. Both of the guys said that the Cardinals are likely to take two out of three from the series. My question was, what happens if the Cardinals only take one out of three? Tito, let's start with you. What happens?
2: Well, if they lose two of those games, they pretty much fall back to right where they were, you know, uh, two games ago, and they're going to be seven games under 500 again with a month to go essentially till the trade deadline. And that is not a good thought. I mean, I I certainly don't like thinking about uh, them being a terrible team this year and having to sell pieces, but that's where my thoughts are going to go is that if they do lose two of three, Cardinal fans better be prepared to see some, some names go. Trevor Rosenthal, Sung, uh, Sung O, oh, Lance Lynn, you know, I'll say Matt Carpenter again. Um, but that's that's where it's going to lead to. And, again, as we were mentioning earlier in the show, I could honestly see something happening that weekend with the coaching staff. You know, uh, I could honestly see it. I mean, think about it. You know, even if they lose two, but what if they lose two? all three of the games, where does that even leave you? I mean, you at that point, you might find yourself almost seven-and-a-half back and probably a last-place team in the Central Division. So it, it's going to be a really, really fine line, and that's why maybe, you know, Trevor, to Trevor's point earlier in the show, saying don't overlook this series because this is a really, really important series. might be the most important series that the Cardinals – have to date, or maybe in the entire season. So, if they lose two, it's going to
0: be bad news for them. Yeah, I Trevor. I agree. If it if I, if they lose two, um, I'm going to take a little less cautious. You're saying be prepared. I'm saying it's I has I think it has to happen if they lose two. I think that they need to start selling, and getting prospects back to rebuild the team because. the – if you get the prospects, that'll create some excitement with the fans. Like, okay, we have a future, we have a future. And really that's at least me as a fan, that's what I'm looking for. I want the future. I want to be able to be spoiled with being in the playoffs almost every year again. And if it takes a little bit of developing, then okay, you know, you sit back and watch it. But right now they have some really good prospects, but if you're not, I mean, right. A lot of them are hanging out in the minor leagues. I always, I always talk about, uh, Sierra, um, I can never pronounce his name. You guys are going to have to help me out. Magnaris. But, uh, <laughs> Magnaris, thank you. It's a tough one. but he, uh, I'm sure you guys know by now based on how much I write about him, I love him as a prospect. I want to see him in the majors getting at bats if it's going to go badly. And I think that if they lose two, the selling is going to happen. There's going to be some moves made. But I also want to see Carson Kelly and – and Sierra and probably even Bader come up and, and get some time because that'll what's going to help them most is those at bats at the major league level. And so I think that that those two things are going to happen if they lose too. I think we're going to start seeing more prospects and I think we're going to see some of the, the bigger name pieces uh, leave the team.
1: Yeah. And I, I have to agree with you guys. And I, that's why I wanted to ask the question, What you know, my gut tells me Exactly what both of you are saying. That if it comes to that, then we're going to be looking at some pretty massive changes. And I I think that the cardinal faithful will need to be prepared to learn some new names that they may not know. Some people who could be in Memphis or in Double A, maybe even some guys who are in 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 Palm Beach. I mean, you know, anything's possible if you're going to be a, a bottom dweller. You may as well get some guys some experience. That being said. Ben. I'd like for both
2: well, of you to th- take a look back at and... – go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, but that's, that's why I said what I said in the very, very beginning of this show. Cardinal fans have to be realistic. If you go into, the thing, go into a season saying no one on the roster can be touched by a trade, please, come on. You have more sense than that. Have no more sense of that. I know, I know Matt Carpenter is a fan favorite, and I get it. But if the Cardinals move him, you should not be surprised. You shouldn't be. That's just how it works. That's baseball. That's business. And and John Mozeliak would be a fool not to listen
0: to offers on him. I, I completely agree, and I know that we as as writers, we've had this talk a lot about who should be untouchable. In my book, there's only one untouchable player in the organization. I think that's Carson Kelly. Um, just because a catcher who's, who is as exciting as him is very hard to come by with your with aging Molina, you're going to want Kelly there. Other than that, I don't. I think that you should be hearing offers for everybody. We talked about the minuscule chances of even Carlos Martinez, but you've got to at least hear the offer if it's going to be good enough, yeah. I think. Yeah. So. I mean, again,
2: yeah, it, it, it's not about whether I'm crazy or you're crazy, Trevor. It's just being realistic. That's just how it goes. And if you can't come to grips with it, then find a new team. Find a new team. Find a new find a new favorite player to like on the Cardinals because chances are the one that you liked before is probably gonna get moved. And is not gonna be a Cardinal for the rest of his life. That's just how it goes. Look at Matt Holliday. You probably thought he was a fan he is a fan favorite. But he had to go; his time was up. Well, you weren't crying about it then, were you? Okay, so then move on. Move on.
1: Yeah, and I think the point that you're making, you guys, is that you know baseball is a business, and yeah. you've got if, if, it, if it's a business, it's a money making business, and you don't make money for a long time if you've got players who can't manufacture the runs can't manufacture the hits because those are the things that equate to ticket sales Mm -hmm. now that being said what I'd love to do is have you guys take a look back into June and on a scale of 1 to ten, one being the lowest ranking most disappointing 10 being great and high up on the ranks evaluate the month of June for the St. Louis Cardinal let us know
0: what you thought of the month of June let's start with you Trevor Uh, I'm at a three. There were some high spots, obviously with uh, Carpenter and Fowler heating up, and of course Carlos Martinez. But when you lose seven in a row, they come back and sweep the Phillies. You think things are going to be okay, and then they just—they didn't keep the momentum going. Uh, And it just—it's just been very disappointing to see them game in and game out. Look like they're going to—they've had these moments I feel like where they look like they're going to. Pull out of whatever slump they're in, and then it just doesn't—it doesn't work. Uh, we talked a lot about the uh, energy last podcast. I wrote an article about it, and I don't think that the energy is there right now, and that's what's most disappointing to me. Um, naturally, I gravitate towards pitching too, and that's gone downhill. So I got to put it at a three, and that's—that's uh, uh, that's being generous, honestly. <laughs>
2: okay. You're not, you're not far from it, though, and I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm flipping through my June schedule article just to see where I put the Cardinals record for the end of June, where I thought it was going to be because of how well they were doing and how badly they needed to capitalize on the easiness of the June schedule. Because if you look back, it is an easy schedule. I said that the Cardinals, let's see, what did I say? I said that the Cardinals were going to end up with a 17-10 and 10 record <laughs> in June. This has been a complete bust, a complete bust. I would almost go as far as a 2 as how poorly this month has been. And I honestly thought that the Cardinals would actually be at 42 and 35, and they literally are pretty much the exact opposite of what it is right now. So I am I'm eating my own words right now. So I'm, this is a flat two for me. It's, it's been brutal. It's been a terrible month for the Cardinals.
1: Now, is that a two based on your flaws or a two based on the Cardinals' flaws?
2: No, it's a good question. I'll say both, and but okay, but 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 be real, be real with me, real quick. Phillies, two series with the Phillies. You had two series with the Reds. You had a series with the Pirates. You had a series with Baltimore. Those are teams that the Cardinals should beat. They should beat those teams, and I'm not saying sweep them every single time. But there should be series wins. They got swept through four games in the Cincinnati Reds. Four games. They couldn't win two of those. That's that is on them. I I can blame myself for trying to predict, but that completely
0: is on them. I agree. I mean, you look yeah. at what this month had in store. It was. You're thinking the Cardinals are going to be at a good spot in the division, and you know they would right. move up, especially playing the the Reds and the Pirates, and of course the Phillies. But they're in the East, so and it just didn't pan out. Nothing seemed to click all at the right time, and I don't know. It was it it was at times very hard to watch them play.
2: Yeah, I mean, but you, it, <laughs> it comes down to it comes down to that it comes down to whether or not the Cardinals were ready for this for this month, they finished the, uh, you know, they found themselves after starting May out really, really well, they finished 13 and 13 in the month. Then they come back and do this. And it's just like, come on, what, where are you guys? Where is your mental state of mind at right now? They've got, they've had way too easy of a schedule. Let, let, here's the list of teams that they were facing this, this month, Phillies, Cubs, Reds, Brewers, Orioles, Pirates, Diamondbacks, and one game with the Nationals. I mean, I just don't, I just don't get it. That should have been, this should have been a, at least a 500 month, and unfortunately, it's not going to be.
1: Yeah, and you guys are actually very optimistic and a lot nicer than I was. I actually think the month of June is a one. Um, For the very reasons that you said, we should not be sitting this many games out of 500 ball as we are now, not with the caliber of players that we have on the squad and not with the players that Moselech has given. But again, that harkens back to my point of I believe Moselech is setting up so that he has all the pieces in place to say, I gave you everything you needed. Now, did I give you the the best, the absolute best that's out there? No. But I gave you what we had, our best. And our best should have been good enough, at least in the month of June, with all of the teams that we were facing. So for me, June was a want. But we have actually, and Tito, I believe you wrote about it, about how negative Cardinal Nation is right now, and rightfully so. Yeah. So let's turn the tables a little, and I'd love to hear who you guys have as your – june mvp you know we put out a a twitter poll through our twitter this this morning we also put it on our facebook asking our readers and i'm going to let trevor talk first tito so if you would if you'll pull up those results for us i just love to hear who you guys think is the mvp of the cardinals for the month of june so take it away trevor
0: well when i voted on twitter um the everyone agreed with me that it's carlos martinez Now, again, I'm biased. I always gravitate towards pitchers. Um, And that could have changed the vote, you know, on Twitter. I voted a while ago. But I'm always biased towards pitchers. I love to see good pitching. And I think that Carlos Martinez is finally where we all want him to be. And I know that last week I said something along those lines, and that's why he wasn't, you know, the hottest player on the Cardinals. But I think it's important for him to be where he needs to be because that is the ace he can spark the rest of the staff. And you look at what he did. Um, through June, he still has one more start tomorrow, but 27.1 innings, 31 strikeouts, and a, a 2-3 ERA. Now, it was a lot lower. He he gave up, I believe, four runs in his last outing. Um, I call that kind of down, but if you just look at some of the other numbers, and these these are the numbers that stood out to me, and obviously this is why it didn't go as well for him in his last outing, but uh, in order for his four starts to this point, his left-on-base percentage is 962 85.7, 100, which is the complete game shutout. And then in the last game, he had 33.3. So you can kind of see the drop-off at the end. But regardless of that, I think that him pitching well is going to be pivotal for the rest of the staff heating up. And I think that that's why he is the MVP.
2: Tito? I'm in 1,000% agreement with Trevor on this. And just to add on to those numbers, because they were – as good as he as good as he says. What really stands out to me for the month of June so far is that he's held opponents' batting average to one ninety four, one ninety four. That's insane. Their on base percentage just two fifty five. Their slugging three oh one. Their OPS five fifty six. That's that's incredible. His batting average on balls in play two sixty two. So. You know, he, he really, really stepped up in June, and he delivered that when he delivered that complete game shutout, you know, you kind of had to think to yourself like, okay, he, 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 he's gotten over the hump. He's ready to go. He's ready to dominate the rest of the way. And, you know, honestly, you have to kind of go out there at this point and expect him to pitch like that. 31 strikeouts and, and four starts, that's really, really good and only eight walks, that's really, really good. I mean, he he is the clear, clear June MVP, in, in my opinion. You know, and we said, you know, what about Dexter Fowler? He had that great month, or he had a great, you know, he actually has had a pretty good month. You know, he, he was batting really well, got hurt a couple times. I also said Matt Carpenter on there. And Matt Carpenter has done well, too. I mean, I think I saw it today since over his, like, last eight or so games, he's batting, like, 310 or something like that. That's pretty good. And, his, you know, he's lowered his home run per at-bats from 20 to 12. That's, you know, that's the sign of, of, of things turning around. And then, you know, a lot of other people said Tommy Pham. Um, I understand Tommy Pham as an MVP, but I think – a lot of people are probably basing that off of just one series and that would be the Philly series which of course you know not to not to overshadow what he did in that but you know that's just one series but if we go to the poll the twitter poll said 47% Carlos Martinez 13% Dexter Fowler 27% said Matt Carpenter and 13% said other and some of the names that we saw were Tommy Pham. Um, I believe Jed Jerko was one of them as well. Um, on the Facebook side of things, a lot of people said Carp. Uh, one person said Gritchick, so shout out to you. <laughs> um, a lot of people, yeah, but a lot of people said Carp. They thought that Matt Carpenter was the MVP, and he finished second in the Twitter pool, so it's easy to see how that could have played out. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that the Cardinals offense actually is starting to click a little bit, but Carlos Martinez, again, uh, and I think Trevor agrees with me here. He was the clear, clear June
0: MVP. I 100% agree. I think that his play is exactly where it needs to be to end up taking at least two from Arizona and maybe putting yourself in a position to buy instead of sell. Right.
1: Okay, guys, four minutes left, so two minutes apiece. Start with you, Tito. Give us your National League power rankings, one, two, three, four, five.
2: Okay, so I'm going to go Dodgers, Rockies, Diamondbacks. I'm sorry, uh, Dodgers, Nationals, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Brewers. Okay.
0: Um,
1: Trevor, your top five.
0: Uh, based on how they've been playing recently, i got to go Dodgers up top. I think they've what, won 10 in a row. Nationals, yeah. um, Rockies, uh, Diamondbacks at four. And then just because of the uh, – I think that Rizzo's been giving a decent spark plug from the leadoff spot, i got to put the Cubs there just because of how good they're – lineup can be and, and him getting there is gonna make them a lot better. So I gotta put them at five in a surprise and you know, I can be called crazy for it, but I believe in it. It's not crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're crazy for putting them up there. I, I you know, they are a dangerous team and they've gone through some struggles and I think they're gonna pull pull themselves around. We all know that. I mean the media loves them and so they have to, right?
0: Yeah. you so especially a couple again. Like I was gonna say again just with the way Rizzo's hitting, it's gonna act like a spark plug just like uh Carpenter did, so you gotta think it's gonna turn around.
1: Okay, so we've got a just a couple seconds left, so let's go to go to some final thoughts. Trevor, give us some final thoughts as we close out June and or your final thoughts on this being our milestone tenth episode.
0: Well, I joined, this is my second episode, so I'm really happy to be here for the milestone. I got called up to the big leagues with both the editors, and my thoughts about June is just pay attention to this Diamondback series, because it's going to be huge, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: All right, Tito, we're tossing it over to you. So your thoughts on closing out June, final thoughts, and your thoughts on this being the milestone 10th
2: episode. We've come a long way for 10 episodes. It's been really fun to uh, participate in a majority of them. Um, I really enjoy doing the podcast with everybody, and I know uh, we do have a really good time with it, and it gives us a chance to, to speak our mind. Um, as far as June, you know, Trevor's right, look for the Arizona Diamondback series, but I'm more interested, and I think a lot of people are are going to be thinking about whether the Cardinals are going to be buyers or sellers, and the pendulum hasn't swung in a certain way, but that's where it's headed.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, and actually, I will say that my final thoughts on closing out the month of June is... Uh, I really want to see what happens with management. I want to see what they're going to do, and so that's why I am looking forward to the Arizona series. And as it relates to this being our milestone 10th episode, I just want to say thank you to all of the riders who have joined us. Thank you especially to Tito for really helping kick us off into the podcasting world, and thank you to Brandon Voigt who helped out – tremendously as we got everything started helped us put together some of our lead in music and he's our secondary host um tito's sort of our bullpen host and it's great when he gets to step up and put the dj headphones on but i'm really proud of the work that and so we just want to say thank you and on behalf of everyone